Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyap, that's Creole for something extra. Cole Chen is the odd duck in a family at a loss to understand him. Friends don't get him either. The 23-year-old is searching for connection and success, but lacks the tools to achieve either. Author Quincy Carroll's Unwelcome tells the story of the privileged Cole, whose worldview is shaped by his inability to grasp the reality of his life. Quincy Carroll taught English in China, where part of his latest novel, Unwelcome, is set, as well as his first novel, Up to the Mountains and Down to the Countryside. The Yale graduate is a former artist-in-residence at the Swatch Art Peace Hotel in Shanghai. Carroll, who grew up in greater Boston, now lives in Oakland, California. And author Quincy Carroll joins me now from Oakland. Welcome to Under the Radar, Quinn. Thank you. It's great to be here. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, I'm excited to have you. And full disclosure, I have known Quinn Carroll a long time and was one of the early readers of this book. So everybody knows I only talk about books I read and like. So that means that uh, this is a good one. (laughs) So I thank you for joining me. I'm always interested to know where the seeds of inspiration come from. So yeah, you spent some time in China and so does your main character. But beyond that, what really inspired you to write this story? Yeah, well, this is a difficult question to answer because the book has changed so greatly in the years I've been writing it. And I guess I can go back to the beginning where it started, but at that time, it was a very different book. I didn't really know what it was about, but I actually started this book before I had completed my first novel. I was living in South Central China, my second stint there, after I had taught English years before. But I think it began, I wanted to simply preserve that moment in time before I was heading back to the States. And it started off very much autobiographical, which was different from my first novel. In my first novel, I was a little self-conscious about writing one of those China memoirs that you see everywhere. So I had an idea for a different character that I wanted to base the novel on entirely. But in the end, I couldn't make that happen uh, as a first-time writer. It was, I guess, a lack of experience. But it ended up shifting more towards the autobiographical as I continued to write. This book was completely the opposite. I started off very much centered on my own experience. But as I got into the book, I made it about maybe halfway through. And I really struggled with thinking about how to complete the narrative arc and answer that question, what is this book about? So at that time, two things happened, which kind of helped me get it to its present form, which was I sent it to several early readers. And one common feedback I got was that I needed to look a little closer at the way I was portraying female characters. And uh, I was a little defensive about that at first. Because I think I felt, you know, I'm one of, I'm not one of the bad guys here. Uh, I'm very confident in the way that I feel about women. And I couldn't see myself writing something that was harmful. Um, And I'm not sure it was necessarily harmful, just lazy, which is harmful in a way. (laughs) And 
then I also read uh, the short story Cat Person by Kristen Rupanian, which made a big viral splash in The New Yorker um, years ago. And that's a story about male fragility and uh, kind of a clinical look at modern dating and a story that really puts the burden of credibility on the, the male. And that is written by a woman. So I was thinking if I was going to participate in this conversation and try to think about what I could say, I wanted to write a book that really centered the male gaze, but in a way that was honest and truthful. Well, it had to feel as though this was the right time and context for this because we're having all kinds of conversation as we have been having since uh, Me Too, actually before Me Too. But of course, Me Too brought some of this uh, public debate forward. And a lot, even if you move back from the Me Too, uh, thinking about uh, assault, because uh, that's the focus of Me Too, and think about just toxic masculinity in general. There's a lot more discussion about that. So your book is right at the heart of the middle of this discussion. And I'm sure a lot of people, in fact, I've, I've seen some of the reviews that are that uh, go right for that and say um, it seems quite timely given that there is a great amount of interest in this and, again, from the male point of view, as you have uh, written Cole Chin. So first, let's tell me about uh, Cole Chin, the main character. And in this segment, we do not give spoilers, so you can't tell me what happens in the end. You can just give me an assessment of Cole Chin as you would describe him. Sure. So as I mentioned, it started off very close to my own experience. So Cole Chen is a half Chinese, half white young man living in China in Changsha, the capital of Hunan province, where I was living during my second time in China. And from there, it really becomes a very warped and distorted version of myself. As with my first book, I've always found an interest in writing about that certain type of white male that lives in Asia. And I think you and listeners hopefully know what I'm alluding to there. When I moved to China, I was very self-conscious about being that kind of foreigner in China. It was um, a stereotype I saw all around me. And I also just realized there weren't a lot of books or fiction being written about that character. Uh, most of the books I had read when I first came to China centered on the idea of China being exotic or kind of crazy, quote unquote, and this syndrome almost of foreigners going there and feeling like a big fish in a little pond, which is kind of ridiculous to say, think of how big China is. But that definitely plays into who Cole Chen is. And I think in all of the reviews I've seen so far, there's always some kind of mention about the fact that he's delusional or self-mythologizing. And that really comes down to the heart of who he is uh, because he has repressed a lot. And I think that stems directly from, or it's a consequence of growing up in a society that values patriarchal norms and gets right to the heart of what I'm trying to say with this book. Hmm. Well, since you mentioned his being biracial and its impact on him as he's, you know, trying to figure out, you know, who he is um, with that, it's, a, it's probably a good place for you to read a section of the book because essentially what Cole is doing in China is passing, as most people assume he's white. Um, Absolutely. So <laughs> let's go to page 145. Sure. So this comes from a chapter in which Cole is visiting Hong Kong to renew his visa, and he's out for a night, drinking and writing in a bar, 
The man at the neighboring table strikes up a conversation with him. I live in Changsha. The man cocked an eyebrow. The mainland? Interesting. What was it that brought you there? School originally. Somehow, though, I keep finding my way back. What do you do now? I'm a writer, and I sell beer. See, he said, addressing the others. I knew he had a story. What do you write? You offered a cautious smile. Well, I'm working on a memoir at the moment. He grinned and rolled his eyes, as though what you had said was cliche. Okay, then tell me, he said. What's so special about your life? You're the one who said everybody's got a story. I did, and they do. But the Foreigner in China memoir has been done thousands of times before, no? And as the writer, isn't it up to you to convince your audience that your story is worth telling? So again, let me ask you, what's so special about your life? You sighed and thought for a moment and told yourself to just relax and took a sip from your gin, then told him about your parents and your aimlessness in life and how you felt less at home back home than abroad. The truth was that you hated talking about your work because you were a measured thinker and aimed to be deliberate and precise above all else. But you couldn't be either when you had to talk about it in the moment with a real live audience up close. You told him about your love for China and all it had to offer and the feeling of adventure you felt while there. And that sure, you supposed your story was a bit lacking in plot right now, but you knew something was going to happen. So you just had to keep writing and wait it out. You wrote for the same reason as everybody else, to try to know yourself. The man listened, but he did not seem all that encouraging. And once you'd finished, he reached for his martini and thought about it some more. By then you had long since lost his paramour's attention, but the hippie looking kid sitting beside you appeared to be listening in. Who knows, you said, sighing. It's stupid, I guess. If you say so, the man responded. If the author doesn't believe in it, why should I? Or anybody else, for that matter. He signaled to the waitress and, in Cantonese, asked for the bill. It's not a terrible idea, per se. Just be careful. The time for stories about aimless, privileged white boys is past. Who's privileged? You shot back, equally defensive and confused. Never before in your life had your identity been so bluntly called into question. And just so you know, you added, I'm half Chinese. Raising an eyebrow, he shrugged an apology, but wryly, almost condescendingly so. I'm sorry for the assumption, he said. That's my guest, Quincy Carroll. He's the author of Unwelcome, his latest novel, and our May selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. So Cole is privileged, um, though he doesn't think he is, of course, because sometimes people don't don't get that. And that allows him to sort of live this aimless life in China as he's trying to find himself and 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 write about it. So we are privileged as readers, because you've written it this way, and uh, that we hear a lot of his interior thoughts. And you have him describe what's going on, not in first person, but in second person. Why did you do that? 
Well, I think it's a fact almost universally acknowledged that if you're going to use the second person in fiction, you better have a good reason for it. So I'll try to give my justification here. Originally, it was born out of the fact that I was looking back at my own time in China and trying to process my experiences there. But as I continued to write and it grew to become more coal and less myself, I really appreciated the feeling of distance that it gave to the text, especially in light of this character who was so lacking in self-awareness. Uh, the contrast between who he thought he was in China and who he was as perceived through the eyes of those in his orbit in the America chapters. Uh, those chapters are narrated by friends, family members, passing acquaintances uh, in the third person. And ultimately why I think I decided to stick with it was that more than any other point of view, the second person really forces the audience to sit in the narrator's shoes. Uh, I mean, it's a direct address to the reader. And I wanted readers, uh, male readers particularly, to reflect on and consider their own complicity, which maybe is too strong a word, but at the very least connection to these patriarchal standards and expectations that we have in our society and more than anything, the blind obedience that patriarchy requires to continue to exist and maintain silence. There's one line in the book uh, in which Cole's mother is reprimanding him for something he's done. And the line is, by you, she meant men. And I remember writing this and stopping in excitement because it really felt like something had clicked. Uh, and looking back at that now, I think it's because it almost seems like a kind of um, narrative wink to the audience to signal my intent with the use of the second person. It's really interesting because part of what we get very quickly about Coles, he, he lives a kind of solitary life, even though he's interacting with other people. And he feels alone. And by stepping back in this way, the detachment is emphasized. So it, it left me wondering... Is Cole the only person unwelcome? I mean, who who is unwelcome in the general sense, as you see it? It's an interesting question. I was certainly focused on Cole as writing this, and he was the idea of the person who was unwelcome. Uh, I think it also, zooming out, applies to um, that certain type of foreigner in China that I spoke about previously. And I think just an outdated form of, or this idea of male domination above all else and the way that men need to emotionally cripple themselves or young men need to emotionally cripple themselves a lot of the time in order to live up to this patriarchal standard that we have in our society. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I just thought it was an interesting choice of title and I knew it meant more than just directed at Cole or that's the feeling that I got as I, I read the book. Cole just sort of falls down <laughs> a wormhole. I mean, he just... I am just amazed that the man can walk around, actually, because he drinks a lot in this book, I just want to point out. So I, if that is a, a symbol of toxic masculinity, whoa, um, you got it across. I was startled by that. Am I just so prudish I don't know what's going on? No, I think absolutely. I mean, alcohol is a very 
clear way to numb oneself to the world around you. So yeah, I mean, it was something that I experienced growing up and was able to move away from. It's a difficult subject to talk about. I always hesitate when I hear that someone's bought the book or they tell me they're about to read it because with this book, it's, it's, it feels a little odd to say, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Well, well, yes, because um, it has a kind of dark overlay, but it's, What's fascinating, as we've as we're talking about, is following his interior journey, watching him interact with other people, asking yourself as the reader, would I recognize this in myself and other people? And how would I respond if I were in that moment with him? And then also recognizing I did anyway, that there's a few times where I've been in exactly that response <laughs> in that situation and maybe didn't know quite what was going on. So it's interesting to sort of read his thoughts while we're observing the action going on. The other thing that I was really taken by, and I have to say that this is happening more and more with authors I talk to, and I think it's great, there is a lot of class. You really deal with class in this book. And in America, you're talking about issues of gentrification and and also the characters kind of conflicting feelings about being privileged or being thought of in that way. Talk about that a little bit. Like, why did you want to make that a part of this conversation? And it's a it's a pretty significant part. Sure. Uh, it's certainly something that I think about and wrestle with every day. And I think when I write about foreigners in China, I'm obviously thinking about the cultural divides, but I'm always very cautious to uh, exoticize China because of what I mentioned before, reading books that I, when I first got to China. And so I think when I write about America, uh, I struggled with that in my first book. Originally, I had the exact same conception for the first book where half of it would take place in America, but I couldn't, I couldn't get those chapters right. And I eventually went on to abandoning that idea um, and fortunately was able to come back to it here. But I think part of that was because I needed to apply that same lens to my life here in the States to try to be mindful of my surroundings. Whenever I'm in China, everything just seems so vivid and real because it's all new to me and it's exciting. But writing really is a form of therapy for me, which I'm coming to realize more and more as I commit to it. I don't think you're alone in that as an author, by the way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But I don't think it's something that was obvious to me at first when I started. And so, yeah, just really trying to think about what are the dynamics at play in my life here and how can I just be more aware of who I am and the impact I have on others. Mm. Um, Also, it felt, even though I know you've been writing this for a long time, but it felt very contemporary in another way in the Americans, some of the American scenes were in um, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month is May. And there's a lot of conversation coming off some of the hate crimes that have been directed against uh, Asians and Asian Americans. And in your book was, I thought, a perfect episode. I'm going to have you read it because it was just embedded like every day. This is what Everybody tells you, but people don't believe that, you know, you're minding your own business and it comes out of nowhere. So then, anyway, this is page 159. This is a chapter where one of Cole's former teachers is enlisted by his brother to try to talk to him and get through to him while he's living in San Francisco. They stood there for a moment in silence, watching the cars pass. 
At last the walk sign came on and they looked both ways then crossed the road. About halfway to the other side, two young men reeking of alcohol veered into their path, seemingly on purpose, and one of them raised his hand. At first, Amy and Cole were both flummoxed, but Cole recovered quickly and gave him a high five, grunting in an affected macho tone. What the hell's wrong with that guy? The one who'd started it said, laughing to his friend, who righted around, put his palms together, and bowed dramatically to Amy in the middle of the road. Ni hao, he shouted. Amy sighed, then closed her eyes, as though praying to herself or some god above for the patience to be required. The patience for suffering fools. Ten seconds remained on the timer. Turning around, she complimented the one who'd addressed her on his fluency, asking him if he really knew how to speak the language or was just being a drunken idiot. All in perfect Putonghua, of course. The two men stopped dead in the crosswalk, gawking at Amy, then broke out into laughter. Ching tong, ching chong, ding dang dong, the one who'd solicited the high five said. Please, this is America, go back to China. The stoplight turned red and oncoming cars began to honk. Oh yeah, a nice jacket, he added to Cole, in a tone that suggested he really didn't think it was that nice at all. Together, he and his friend retreated across the road, chortling as they went. Cole made as if to go after them, scaring Amy, but she stopped him, grabbing him by one arm just as he was about to step out into traffic. Chen Xian, she shouted. What are you doing? Get back here. That's my guest, Quincy Carroll, reading from his latest novel, Unwelcome. What is it like to write that scene? Uh, that one went through a lot of rework because um, one thing I try to do in my writing is to be more subtle with the themes that I'm going for. And that one feels very much like hitting the reader over the top of the head with a frying pan. So I was trying to tone it down as much as I could, um, but still present something that felt true to life and, as you mentioned, relevant. Happens all the time. I mean, I think the the beauty of it uh, is that it 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 you know you're reminded that this is a part of everyday life in ways that many of us uh, don't experience um, or don't recognize or haven't anyway until some of this ugliness really uh, came to the forefront. So I have to ask you the question I ask all of my authors. What do you want readers to take away from reading Unwelcome? First of all, I think it would be the idea that the little things add up. You know, all too often these smaller offenses that we're so quick to brush aside or excuse or overlook are really indicative of a much larger problem. And it's a problem that's ingrained in us from birth and reinforced almost every day of our lives. So that makes it extremely difficult to pinpoint and root out. And that's something I was trying to show in this book through the character of Cole, who, you know, certainly doesn't see himself as a bad person, but as one reads the book, I believe it becomes clear very quickly that there's something quite wrong with him. He is suffering from a sort of dissociation he feels from himself. So if there was one big takeaway that I hope readers get from the novel, 
uh, it would be that men have just as much to lose from li living under a patriarchal system as women do. Um, it's soul-crushing, and I think that comes across uh, in the narrative, but I hope this book causes people to reflect, to think, and ultimately I hope it's one that they find of value. And it's extremely well written, <laughs> Quincy Carroll. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, really appreciate it. Quincy Carroll is the author of Unwelcome, his latest novel, and our May selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. It's available in bookstores and online now. Well, that's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Hannah Jubilee and engineered by Dave Goodman. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. Listen again on Thursday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening.